So, this is Vibe Drive episode 135. And 135 brings a new member to the 100K Club on the podcast. That's right. He's here. He's in the back. And he's ready to talk to your boy Viper, the man about tech. Vibe Drive. Start now. What's up, people? This your boy, Viper, the man about tech. And welcome back to another episode of Fight Drive. This is the podcast about tech hosted by the man about tech. And tonight, I have a laptop expert in the building like I just alluded to in my introduction. This man just crossed 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, which most of you all realize is no easy feat. But he did it. He's in the building. We got him here. This man is one of the most well-dressed people in the tech space. Let's bring in my dude, Andrew, Mark, David. What's up, bro? How you doing? Good, Bipe. How you doing? I am good, man. Thank you for taking the time to join me tonight. I appreciate you. Well, let me say, you know, after an introduction like that, you know, then you know you've arrived on YouTube as a creator because this <laughs> is the place to be. That's for sure. I uh, appreciate- once, you're, once you're on Vibe Drive... It's all downhill from here. That's for sure. <laughs> you, you play too much, man, but I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Andrew, first question I ask every first time guest that comes to the podcast, the people need to know, Andrew, what brought you to YouTube? Oh, well, that's a good question. I'm sure you get the same generic answer. Oh, I love tech and everything. Uh, I actually, to show you how my, my age or whatever, how dated <laughs> I may sound, I actually started uh, on an Apple IIc way back when as a kid. So I had an Apple IIc, and then I had a Macintosh SE30, you know, the box, the gray box, whatever it was, and um, loved it and just piqued my interest as a child in about computers. But the, back then, there was no readily available internet or anything like that. Fast forward, so I get, you know, I was in the legal field and so forth as my profession. And then fast forward to late 2015, I... Um, I picked up my camera. I had a Canon T5 Rebel, I believe it was. And I just decided, you know what? I'm going to start making videos. I saw people on YouTube making videos late 2015. And back then, uh, the YouTube Partner Program wasn't uh, wasn't hard to get into. All you needed to do was basically sign up, have an email address. AdSense, you just basically had to have a physical address or what have you. And that was it. There was no our requirement there was no subscriber uh, quota and so forth like you have now so it was a lot different back then so i did my first 100 videos in the beginning of 2016 through the, throughout 2016 and they were they were horrible i mean my first 100 videos i i, I kept them up for posterity but i i can't watch them they're they're on in fact my first unboxing video i had a case for an ipad and I looked at it for 15 minutes, pretty much, the box. I didn't open it. And if I look at it now, I just want to scream at the, at the, you know, at the, at the screen, open the damn box. You know? <laughs> what the hell am I just r- ranting on and on about? So, but they weren't good. The audio was terrible. Uh, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't know how to edit properly. I didn't know how to um, get any of the audio vid- visuals right. And I went out and I did the biggest cardinal sin. I spent a lot of money on very fancy equipment, didn't know how to use it. And 
eventually, of course, I figured it out. I eventually um, was able to find my audience, find my voice. Uh, I started to go in front of the camera, which is a big thing. Some people don't like to do that. Um, so once I started doing that, uh, I think my first year I got about 8,000 subscribers, which isn't bad, I guess, for the first year. Yeah. But YouTube was a very different place back then in 2016 than it is now. So the algorithm was totally different. Yep. Uh, I could have one video go viral. Nobody could have heard of me. And I could get all of a sudden like 80, 90,000 views on one video and never re replicate it again for maybe another two years. So it, it made no rhyme or reason. It made no sense. But that first year, I just did the did the work, put in the grind, you know, do grind and do everything you got to do yep. and was able to uh, find an audience. And so I was doing a lot of uh, like cheap and uh, like Chinese laptops, <laughs> all this, you know, budget branded, you know, stuff that was not very good, but it was a great training ground for me to get to the more established brands and so forth uh, to get their attention as well. So the first couple of years were, you know, pretty rough. The second year, in 2017, uh, I started to make more strides. You know, once I hit 10,000 and 20,000 and so forth. So, uh, but, you know, I started off doing those cheap Chinese laptops and then started to do more like uh, mobile phones, started to get some traction there. But then eventually I settled in on laptops, which is where I am pretty much now. So Andrew, it sounds like you you did a lot of things to start off your YouTube career. You went from uh you dabbled in mobile phones. Uh, you said you started off with Chinese laptops, and now you uh, settled on laptops. So I'm I'm curious. Um, I'm not really into the laptop game per se. I mean, I know about it because I mean I have an IT background. I work in IT and things like that. But what advice would you give uh, uh an average consumer, Andrew, who is looking for a laptop? Maybe just like. Uh, let's say they're looking for a laptop for their kids to go back to school or something like that. What would your advice be since you are the, the, the guru of laptops? Well, it's a very interesting question because, you know, they range in different prices. Obviously, there's very premium laptops. You could spend mm -hmm. thousands of dollars. You could spend under $1,000. You could spend under $500. Um, right now, what I'm recommending, a lot of these AMD Ryzen laptops that are coming in at a great price, great performance, and uh, have a lot to offer over, say, something like Intel, uh, Ryzen 4500, Ryzen 5 4500U, or something with a Ryzen 7. Uh, a good example would be the HP Envy X360, which is a two-in-one convertible. Uh, recommended that a lot on my channel this year. But the big problem is, and it's a great laptop for students, it won't break the bank, and it also has good performance. You can actually game with these laptops, believe it or not. Um, to some extent, of course, uh, you want to have something with a dedicated GPU to do the AAA titles on the highest settings. But uh, the AMD Ryzen chip this year has made a lot of strides, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they could bring to the table going forward to 2021. Uh, so for, for somebody who's on a budget, doesn't want to break the bank, I would go with something like the HP Envy X360. There's also stuff coming out from Lenovo, like the Slim 7 that I recently reviewed on my channel. Check it out. And uh, another great offering uh, in that arena. Again, that has a Ryzen 7 on it and absolutely killing it right now. So those are the kind of laptops. There are Chromebooks out there as well that are getting more premium 
that are getting pretty expensive, some of them. But again, if you don't want to break the bank, there are less expensive alternatives from HP, Dell, Lenovo. So there are a bunch of them out there. Gotcha. Okay, so as you are familiar with the smartphone game, the mobile game, you know that here in North America anyway, the two main smartphone OEMs that get the most uh, traffic is Apple and Samsung. So I'm right. curious, what is the Apple Samsung equivalent in the laptop game? Because obviously you got a bunch of laptop companies out there. Like you said, you got HP, you got Dell, you got Lenovo, you got Samsung, you got uh, you got Asus. Everybody, everybody is in that laptop game. But who, which brands, Andrew, and European are at the top of the of the food chain in the laptop game? So that's a very good question. Um, and speaking of Apple, they're one of them. Yeah. Uh, I actually use a MacBook Pro 16 to edit uh, on. Me too, me yeah. too. <laughs> so... Uh, a MacBook Pro 16, I have the Core i9, and a lot of people like to put that against, say, something like the Dell XPS 17, which is the Windows equivalent of a premium high-end laptop that can do video editing, that could do gaming. Uh, not a dedicated gaming laptop, but it has the capability, gorgeous displays, touch display options, 4K or actually UHD plus resolution on that Dell. So it's a lot. Be it's a it's a fight between Dell, Apple. Um, and to some extent, HP, and mm -hmm. to some extent, Lenovo. But I think it's a real big fight between the Dell XPS 17, Apple MacBook Pro 16, as far as, you know, that kind of equivalency between the two. Interesting. So following up with, with uh, Lenovo, I think I think it was either last year at CES or this year earlier at CES, uh, Le uh, Lenovo had announced uh, they were coming out, or they are, or might, I don't know if it's out yet, or they are coming out with a foldable laptop. Um, can you tell us yes. anything about their foldable laptop offering? Yeah, I actually got a chance at back at CES 2020 before the pandemic, or maybe it was during the pandemic, uh, little do we know, uh, back in January. And I got invited to the Lenovo suite here in Las Vegas. Mm. I actually live here in Las Vegas. Mm. So um, I got a chance to play with it for about 20 minutes. And I got to tell you something, that thing is a game changer, at least I think. Uh, it's actually available to order right now. Uh, but it is kind of expensive. It's about $2,500. Uh, it's shipping, I think, in a couple of weeks. I'm hoping to get a review a review unit from Lenovo. But by the time I did have with it, I was very impressed. They have a keyboard accessory that you can use it with. It has a stand built in on it. It has, and, and the foldable screen is better than I thought it would be back in January. So I don't know what the final shipping product will look like in terms of the quality. But if it's anything like that prototype that I got a chance to check out at CES 2020, then it's pretty exciting. And I think it's going to be a start of a lot of different foldables uh, that we're going to start seeing uh, starting this year and then into next year. So it was, ve it was very impressive. Okay. Speaking of foldable, me and you have the same foldable because I have a Galaxy Fold 2 like you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he knows the procedure. Right, yeah. You have your Bruce Wayne, right? That's right, is that that's, right Bruce? that's right, you know what it is. That's right, I got Bruce Wayne in hand. I see you got your Galaxy yeah. Fold 2 well. That's what's up. But okay, yeah. so when we talk about the Galaxy Fold 2, Andrew, obviously in this form, it's a smartphone. But when mm -hmm. you open it up, it's like a mini tablet. Yes. So I guess my question to you is, what is the UK for a foldable laptop? Like, what are we trying to accomplish being able to fold a laptop? Well, I think it's trying to solve a couple of things. It's it's trying to solve the not having to carry a tablet and the laptop at the same time. Ooh. Much like with this phone, you don't want to carry a phone and a tablet. So this sort of is the hybrid between the two. Right. Uh, so 
what they're trying to do is uh, have that tablet mode when you're out and about, if you want to just surf on the sofa or you just want to look something up and just want to consume media, you have it. It has the built-in kickstand. But when you want to attach a keyboard to it, you have that ability to get work done. And I think that's what they're going after. Whether, whether or not it will be successful, that remains to be seen. So, But, yeah, that's pretty much the use case scenario. Mm. That is that's kind of interesting because, like you said, normally if we are on a situation or if we are in a situation where we're at home relaxing, usually we have our smartphones or our tablets um, right there. But the idea of a foldable laptop, like you said, kind of changes the game because, you know, yeah. even though you have we have our, our smartphones and our tablets, neither one of them have the horsepower of a laptop or of a dedicated laptop usually. So right. being able to have something with the dedicated horsepower—I mean, with the horsepower, I should say—of a dedicated laptop, which is, uh, can be made more compact, so we can use it in pretty much any situation. That's like you know, that would be—that's a potential game changer for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of unknowns, like battery life. What's that going to be like? What is the performance going to be like? Uh, the thermals that, of course, will always play a part in any kind of laptop two-in-one and even tablet. So. A lot of unknowns. I'm hoping to get one in very soon to check out. Uh, I know Dell also had a couple of foldables they had um, showed showed off at CES, uh, but they took a little bit of a different approach on one. They had more like the Surface Neo. I don't know if you remember, Microsoft showed off the, the two displays, uh, like the Duo, what we recently saw on the smartphone, or the they don't want to call it a smartphone, but it is right. in some sense. And then they had the Neo, which are the two displays, uh, which may be how, by the way, that may have been killed by Microsoft. We're not really sure yet. Mm -hmm. They took that page down. Uh, Dell had something very similar. I forgot what they called it, but they also have something where you have two displays connected by a hinge. That looked pretty interesting. They also have a foldable in the works as well that I got a chance to, to take a look at and use a little bit back at CES. But everything sort of got put on hold with the pandemic and everything. So I think that might have delayed Dell a little bit on that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's where we're heading with the foldables, you know? Definitely. Shout out to those of y'all listening on audio only this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bipe Job with me and my man, Andrew Mark Davis. Appreciate you guys rocking out each and every week on the podcast. If you want to go check out this man's content, if you want to go get the most up-to-date information on laptops and everything like that, definitely go check out his YouTube channel. That information will be in the show notes. He is legit. Check him out for sure. Also, if you guys want to support or donate to the podcast, there should be a Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes as well. You're not required to donate anything, but anything that you're willing to contribute, as always, greatly, greatly appreciate it. More importantly, though, for you guys listening on audio, if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review as it helps more people discover the show, get the show into the top 200 of podcasts. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please consider giving me a rating or review so we can get the podcast out there to more eyes and more ears. And thank you, as always, for listening to another episode of Vibe Drive. And for those of y'all here live tonight, there is the link to his YouTube channel. Like I said, definitely go check him out if you want the most up-to-date info on laptops and other technology. The dude is legit. Besides, there's not many people in the tech base that is as well dressed as this man. Dude, look at him. Oh, thank he, you. Look at him, man. He's, he's like styling and profiling. Well, like you have there. to. You have to stand out. You know, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so keeping with foldables, Andrew, um, mm -hmm. let's talk about another foldable. Um, I, I think we can get into the Galaxy Fold Two a little bit later because obviously, like I said, we both have that one. But I want to talk about another foldable that you recently did a video on your channel about, and that, though, what you just alluded to a few minutes ago. The Surface mm -hmm. Duo. 
Now, yes. I, I don't have the device. I've never I've never had mm-hmm. one. So I don't I can't give you like firsthand impression and experience because I don't have one. But I know you have one or you had one. I um, don't have it anymore. Yeah. OK, but I know you have one. So yes. a lot of the initial reviews impression kind of bashed it because of mm-hmm. faulty software, different things like that. So it was almost like the, the Serpent Duo literally created a rip in the tech community. You got one side of the community is like, all right, uh, yeah, this is crap and trash. Don't buy this. And the other side is like, all right, we understand what Microsoft is doing. Uh, it might not be ready to go right out the box, but at least we see where they're going with this device. So, Andrew, talk to us. Uh, talk to us about your experience with the Service Duo, because I know you you uh, you were more than thought of. You see what's going on with it. You know what Microsoft was trying to do. So, tell us what they did well with the Duo, and then tell us some things that you think they can improve on with the device. Right. That's a great, great question. Well, first of all, yes, I don't have the Duo anymore, not because I didn't like it. I actually did like it a lot if you watched my review of it. Uh, it was actually, just a little bit of a side note, um, I had said on one of my live streams that you know I couldn't afford to pay for both the Surface Duo and the Fold 2. This is a very expensive device. Yeah. So I was going to have to make a decision. Unless Microsoft was going to send it to me, I wasn't going to review it. But one of my very generous and very uh, dedicated uh, viewer, uh, it was a guy named Viral, fantastic guy, uh, said I, he ordered one from Best Buy. He'll ship it to me to so I can review it. I mean, that was pretty amazing. So amazing. Uh, I was lucky enough that he did that. And so when I got it, I didn't have any preconceived notions about it. I heard some bad things initially from some of the big YouTubers when they first got it. Uh, I had a little bit of a concern when they didn't allow anybody to show the software, right. when they didn't allow any photos to be taken. All they were doing was just showing the hardware. And we really know why. That was because the software wasn't ready. Right. But come the release date, it, it was released, and they did have a, a release date update, and um, and it actually solved a lot of the issues that was plaguing the device. Was it perfect? No. Was it usable? Absolutely. I loved having side-by-side displays. We can run one app on one, another app on the other, like Twitter and, and YouTube, and I love that. I thought that was a great uh, productivity uh, function, and I thought that you can use it for all sorts of scenarios. Um, now they gonna they're gonna make that product better. Now where it fell sh- and the the hardware was bar none some of the best hardware I've seen in a very very long time. It was very very premium. There was no question. The engineering that went into it was top notch. But the the shortcomings, of course, are going to be uh, what is it? Who is it for? Um, is it a smartphone? Now, Microsoft is not calling it a smartphone. They're calling it a Surface device. And if you've used any of the other Surface devices like a Surface Pro 7 or Surface Pro X or Surface Book or laptop, they wanted to brand it in that vein. But it definitely, uh, I don't like to call it a phone either. You can make phone calls with it, but I think it's more of a productivity tool. And I think that's where some of the other reviewers, uh, when they made those uh, negative reviews, I think they were leaning on the side of, well, is this is a smartphone. Well, it's terrible as a smartphone because it doesn't have this uh, any kind of waterproofing. It doesn't have wireless charging. It doesn't have, it has a small battery comparative, comparative to other smartphones. Uh, I didn't find it bad in that regard. Now, of course, it's not going to have the best cameras. It's not meant to have the best cameras. It's meant to do Zoom calls. It's meant to do Skype and all that kind of stuff. So, 
Uh, I think it got a negative rap. I think is it's a nice design. I think they're going to improve the software over time. Um, and I thought the battery life was actually better than I expected. I, I, I didn't expect it to be good. It was actually pretty good. You're going to get pretty much all day battery out of it. And the updates will definitely improve things. So uh, I don't think it got a fair shake. Uh, I tweeted that out. And then, believe it or not, a lot of the big wigs at Microsoft saw the tweet. And that tweet went viral. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, uh, Panos Panay, who is the uh, leader of the Microsoft devices surface team. He saw that he liked that. And that sort of got the ball rolling. And in fact, I've spoken to Microsoft since hoping to start getting uh, review units from them. Look at you. Look at you. Plotting. Look at the plotting, y'all. Yeah, but I've had a lot of false starts with them. So we'll see uh, in the past. So because I've I've reviewed a lot of Microsoft products that have gotten hundreds of thousands of views. Uh, but they would never send me a device for whatever reason, you know. You know, they have heard me talk about owning live streams about how Twitter is like a hidden gem when you want to uh, work with brands and things like that. I won't get too much Absolutely. into it right now, but I'm telling y'all, Twitter, where's that? So I follow uh, Erica Griffin, who is one of my favorite tech people ever. And Erica Griffin called the Serpent Duo an interactive book. It, would you say that that's accurate? Yeah, well, I mean... That's another use case scenario. It's a great ebook reader, uh, and, and that so that in that sense, yes, I think she's absolutely spot on with that. Uh, if you are into ebooks, if you like to read comics uh, and stuff like that, it's a it's a great little device to have with you. It'll fit right in your pocket. You have it with you to go. You could read books on a train, plane, uh, if you're allowed to travel, and so over the pandemic, whatever. But uh, yes, it's a definite great ebook reader. It's a, it's a, it's almost like having an actual book in your hands because of the form factor. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I when I was uh, watching videos and uh, tw- and seeing tweets about the device, a lot of people raved about the software, how thin it was, especially compared to what we have, the Galaxy Fold Two. And speaking of the Galaxy Fold Two, Andrew, let's get on the Galaxy Fold Two. Uh, finally got a cape for it, even though it's a half a cape, but that's not oh, for today. I, I'm still searching for one. Oh, man. And I, I can't believe they didn't give us a case. Yeah, I'm Samsung. And then the ones that they're selling are like way overpriced, but that's another story for today. Do you have the one with the kickstand? Yeah. The one yeah. The, yeah. I, I brought both of them, but I like the one with the kickstand a lot better. So that's the one I'm rocking with. That was the but, one uh, I've been eyeing. Yeah. 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 They got the Airman Fiber one. Yeah, this is legit. If you guys have a Galaxy Fold 2, um, if you're looking for a case, um, get the Airman cover. I like this one better than the. Uh, in the leather cover that they got they're selling there so definitely do that but andrew we got the galaxy fold 2 this is probably my favorite device of the entire year uh this is my first foldable so i might overreact my that's my over but my reaction might be a little bit more uh over the top than other people who've had the original version i've never had a foldable this is my first and i am floored and as they know i'm doing a lot of uh opening clothes hey opening clothes hey but yeah, a lot of opening closing with the Galaxy Fold 2. So, Andrew, I, uh, you made an entire video about it. But for my listeners and people watching right now, give us your thoughts about the Galaxy Fold 2. Uh, well, right off the bat, I got to say, I think it's the, the phone of the year. I think hands down, it's got to be considered the phone of the year. Uh, is it for everybody, $2,000? Absolutely not. Mm-mm. But... If you're going to spend $2,000, mm-hmm. without a doubt, this is the phone to get. Yeah. Now, a um, couple of things. I did have the Fold 1, at, 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 and I recently – actually, I, I sold it to help subsidize payment for this. Right. Uh, I love the Fold 1. So let's get that straight. 
Did it have shortcomings? Absolutely. The small screen on the front was a big problem. Uh, the build quality wasn't the best. I still loved it. I saw where they were going with it. So I couldn't wait till Samsung released this uh, bad boy. And now that I have it and I've been using it for the couple of weeks or three weeks, whatever it's been so far, I have not put it down. I don't know about you, Viper. I have not put it down. And I carry more than one phone simply because, you know, we're testing all kinds of stuff. Yep. So I carry the, the Pixel 4 XL. I have an yep. iPhone here somewhere. But uh, I have this is my phone of choice right now. Now, I do baby it a little bit because of I'm a little bit nervous. And I've noticed that's a little bit scuffed up a little bit on the, um, I don't know if you can see it, on the, you can't see it, but it, there's a screen protector, I th I'm hoping, on the yep. front here. Uh, why they didn't put a case in the box like they did on the first one is a little bit uh, unnerving. And especially now that we're spending $2,000, uh, putting that case in would have been the right move. Uh, having said that, uh, it's the build quality is so much better than the first one. The display, which is that, uh, I think it's a it's a hybrid of glass and plastic. I think yep. it, there's definitely some glass according to the specs. Uh, gorgeous inside display. It's a bigger display. Uh, they got rid of that awful ugly notch. Now there's just a little pinhole yep. uh, on there. It's it's beautiful. Um, so the, everything about the has improved. They improved the bigger front display. They've improved the build quality. The hinge is much better now. You don't hear any creaking. Uh, it's just a, a win all all around, I think, except for the price. <laughs> if you're willing to pay the price, then um, there's no doubt. To me, this is the phone of the year so far. And it's funny that you mentioned price because that's the exact reason why I cannot give a phone a year because it's way too expensive at $2,000. Like, yeah. it pretty much out of most of the mainstream consumer's uh, pocket range, right. probably. But again, I agree with you. If you are going to spend $2,000 for a phone, uh, this phone too is definitely the phone to get. If yeah. price was no object, I agree with you. This would be phone of the year, but we have to factor in price because we got to figure out, we got to factor in uh, the thing that most people can actually spend their money on and afford. Mm -hmm. And then, this is not affordable for most people, but again, this phone is amazing. I think the biggest surprise for me, like I said, this is my first phone, so I'm not, I don't have any fear for the original one. But when you pick up the phone and open it and things like that, the first thing that you immediately notice is this hinge. The hinge is literally built like Fortnite. Like when you open it, it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't just right open. It just you have to you have to apply some muscle to open it. Now mine has loosened up over the past couple of weeks that I've had it, but nothing to the point where I'm wor worried and nervous right now. I think I'm just breaking it in naturally, but. When you first get it, the hinge is like airtight. You nothing, nothing messed with that hinge. But once you get through the hinge, you open it up. It's amazing because, uh, like you said, when you have a close, it's a basic smartphone. Hell, it's a Galaxy S20, Note 20, whatever you want to call it. But then when you open it up, whoo, it's like a brave new yeah. world. Now, the thing that a lot of reviewers kind of missed uh, in talking about this phone is that this phone actually does quad HD and 120 hertz refresh rate at the same time. This is the only Samsung phone on the market this year that does them both at the same time. Now, we know OnePlus, the OnePlus 8 Pro does it. I think that's the only other device out there that I know of that does Quad HD and 120, but the Fold 2 is the device number two, and this is the only Samsung device that does it. But nobody talked about that for whatever reason, especially kind of shot me, especially to consider how all the uh, all the tech nerds are getting mad that the iPhone might not have it. But, I mean, here you are right here. But I uh, I think I undervalued the impact of the 120 hertz display um, before I really started using it full too heavily, uh, heavily, uh, heavily, I should say. It literally makes your phone feel luxury. 
Um, it's not something that you can see per se, but you should feel it. Like I talked about in a prior live stream, when you are using a 120 hertz display, it's really like sliding your finger uh, with butter underneath your finger. It's really like sliding around with uh, putting the butter on your finger and sliding around. It's fast, it's smooth, it's fluid. And if you go back and forth between using the Fold 2 with 120, then using something like an iPhone or a Note 20 regular with 60 hertz, you can tell the difference. Now, obviously, I think the average person wouldn't be able to tell the difference if you had them up side by side, but a hardcore tech nerd that, that, that uses them, you can you can detect them all different. But do, uh like I keep saying, I don't know if I can consider a 120 hertz display a must-have. It's nice to have it with uh, if it's there, but it's not a must-have. But when you have it, Andrew, it takes your experience to a new level, definitely. Yeah, uh, definitely. Once... Yeah, you you hit it right, the nail right on the head. Uh, once you go to 120 hertz, it's you, and then you go to a a lower refresh rate on some other phone like 90 or even 60. You definitely see the difference. You definitely feel the difference. It's one of those things, like you said. Is it a must-have? Probably not, but it's one of those things that, especially on a high-end phone like this, uh, you definitely want to have that. And um, you and scrolling, everything is just so much more smoother, so much more buttery feel to it. Uh, it really is. Uh, a, a more premium feel, that's for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. And like you said, nobody's touting that this is the first Quad HD Plus display that has 120 hertz refresh rate. That's pretty amazing, actually. You know. Yeah, like I said, we know the OnePlus A Pro did it, but this isn't the actual first Samsung yeah. device. Um, right. And this first is Samsung device. And, and this isn't the first device that I know. Oh no, that's um. This is the second device I think on the market that I know of that's using that LTPO technology that allowed for the variable of the refresh uh, the refresh rate to fluctuate so it can maintain battery life. Now the battery life on the Fold Two, not the best, but I think you know I think that's because I'm thinking about it from a, a regular smartphone perspective. But when I actually like that back and thought about uh, the battery life in relation to a mini tablet being a uh, 120 oh, hertz yeah. and quad HD. The battery life is actually pretty decent. I can't, I mean, I can't really complain about it, especially given the fact that I use it open most of the time anyway. <laughs> I've actually been pleasantly surprised. I have it on the 120 hertz, you yep. know, refresh rate. Uh, I use it all the time. I never have to really charge it more than once a day. I, I, I It lasts me pretty much all day. Um, it will get pretty low at night, so I will have to charge it. But I've been actually pleasantly surprised with the battery life. Again, not the best out there, but again, you have so much going there, the yep. high you know, resolution, the refresh rate, that's all going to take away battery life. But I've been actually pleasantly surprised on how it's been pretty good for me. So I'm yeah, happy like I said, when, I, when I when I initially thought about it, I was thinking about it from a smartphone perspective. But when I realized that, dude, you have it open like 90% of the time. And when you have it open, you're using the 120 hertz and quad HD. You're going to chew up more battery life and empowering a much bigger display. So for what it's doing with me having it open 90% of the time, it's actually pretty damn good battery life when I think about it in that perspective. So like the that does have good battery life, especially considering everything that that it has and everything that it brings to the table. So Samsung knocked it absolutely out the park this year. They knocked it out of the park with the Note 20 Ultra. They knocked it out of the park again with the Fold 2. And Samsung, for starting shaky with the S20 Ultra, they are ending the year, they are ending the year pretty strongly with the Note 20 Ultra and the Fold 2. Like you said, any other year, this could be phone a year, but it's just it's in my opinion, it's slightly overpriced to be phone of the year. But any other year, it, this isn't it, man. This isn't it. I think that yep. one of the uh, I think Andrew, one of the biggest things that surprised me about this fold too, though, is that I find myself using my iPad Pro less because of it. Um, some of the I have it, I, yeah, me too. I haven't used mine since. I, I can't go that far, but 
some of the things that I would do I on my iPad, like check my YouTube analytics and things like that, I don't need the iPad to do that anymore. I just do it all on here. And it's, it's easier to ask. It's more accessible, more ergonomic. It's always, it, it's always on my person. It's either in my pocket or in my hand, more or less. So, again, when I want to go to a web uh, a web page and I get the full desktop browser, reading that with this bad boy open up is a joy. I mean, I don't need the iPad to do things like that. So, it's kind of cool. It's kind of amazing, man. Yeah, I I have the I, I have a 2018 iPad Pro that I've been using every day since I until I got this. <laughs> and what I noticed is since I have it, I have to charge it because I haven't been using it. Uh, I've been using this. I've been grabbing this because it's with me. It's there if I need it. Uh, I've also noticed one thing about the front front display over the original fold. It's a big improvement. It's not perfect. It's still very narrow uh, for typing and so forth. But I do find myself using that front-facing display a little bit more than I did yep. the original. The original was it was too small. It was yeah. unusable as far as I'm concerned. But the uh, this is a much better. If you need a quick glance or a quick note here and there, uh, this will get the job done with that front display. But the magic happens when you open it up. Oh, I mean, yeah. There's no doubt. No doubt about that. Like I said, I, uh, I I don't use the front display a lot, but some of the things I do use it for is Samsung Pay, easy just to swipe up a card and pay for it. You got to pay for. And my other thing, as most people will probably realize by now, is Starbucks. Got the Starbucks yeah. app on the uh, on the on the front page right. here. Tap in, order my coffee, and I'm good to go. I don't need to open the phone to order my coffee. I can order it from the front display. Good to go. You really couldn't do that on the original phone, like you said, because the display was so small. But on this, it's easy peasy. And the other thing Absolutely. about this phone that a lot of people aren't talking about is that when you do have it closed, a lot of people keep talking about how thick it is. But what they are kind of glossing over is the fact that one-handed use is easy AF when it's closed. Like, you can literally go anywhere with your finger when the phone is closed. Like, it, I know it's tall, so if you have small hands, you might have trouble reaching the absolute top of the phone, too. But one-handed use when the device is closed, you can't. You can do things on this phone that you really can't do on most smartphones because they're too wide. Not with the Fold 2, not a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Much more usable than the original. That's for sure. Uh, I do find myself using it with one hand. Absolutely. Typing on it with one hand is a lot easier uh, than a normal phone, than a normal size, uh, maybe something like the Note 20 or what have you, you know. Definitely. So, Andrew, we got some big time news earlier today. The news that we have been waiting for all summer long. And when it finally came down earlier today, exactly one week from today is the iPhone event. It's happening at the spaceship at Cupertino. We are expecting Apple to announce the new iPhone 12. All of them, I think there's like four different models. What are your expectations, Andrew, for the iPhone 12? What are you looking for? Uh, what maybe like what features are you looking to see uh, Apple include this time around? Well, I think from what I've read so far that's been leaked or what have you, uh, they're all OLED displays, which is a yeah. nice improvement. I think the whole line will now have it. So that's a great uh, starting point. And I think the starting price will be what, 649 from yeah. what I read. That's what they're saying. Uh, another good uh, improvement, I guess, uh, making it more accessible to the masses to get a nice higher end phone. Now, of course, the top of the line is going to be much more expensive, of course. Uh, uh, I don't think we're going to get 120 hertz, right? I think that's uh, been pretty much ruled out. Uh, so that's not going to be a big deal to me, but um, is it going to be 90 hertz? Uh, is that, do we know? No, it's not going to even be that. It's probably going to be 60, I'm guessing. So 60 hertz. So what are they going to do to differentiate themselves from Samsung? What are they going to do? Uh, are they going to go all in 
on VR or something to that effect? Are they, because I saw the invitation, didn't it have some VR effect or AR, isn't it augmented reality? Um, so who knows what they're going to do, but whatever it is, everybody's going to go crazy. As we know, um, <laughs> it's going to be covered by everybody. And, uh, and the last time I, I think I, I did the iPhone 11. I, you know what, by the time I put my video up on it, uh, it already got all the views, all the big YouTubers got all the views. So I don't know, but hopefully it'll be, it'll be a great phone and it'll be more affordable for the entry level and people could have more access to it. Cause I think with the way things are now, people are losing their jobs. The economy is up and down. Uh, the pandemic has really messed everybody up, so to speak, literally. Um, so they need to be more affordable. That's to me, I want to see a more affordable. That's what I like what Google's going to be doing uh, with their upcoming phones that they're going to have coming up. I love, I love how he uh, beat me to it, but before we get there, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, iPhone, uh, like you said, they're supposed to be supposedly starting off at $649 for the iPhone 12 mini, and then they go up from there. I think they're going to max out around $1,200 or $1,300. So they should be pretty competitive with what the rest of the market is doing, especially considering Samsung is like going way up there with their S20 Ultra and No 20 and things like that, and the Fold 2, not to mention. So yeah, Apple pricing should be pretty competitive. We know earlier this year they released the iPhone SE 2020, which was $400, so they are definitely price competitive with the rest of the market as it relates to getting an iPhone in as many hands as possible. And we know that's what Apple wants to do, especially considering their transition to services and things like that. Before we talk about uh, the Pixel line of phone, because I want to get to that before we end this podcast, given that you are a computer guy, laptop guy, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Apple transitioning to using their own Apple Silicon chip. So we know that usually, Andrew, the biggest knock on MacBook Pros is that if you take $2,000 and if you're looking at a MacBook Pro, you could take that same $2,000 and get a much more, much higher tier spec out PC for that money. Um, yeah, the MacBook Pro is good. It'll serve you well, but you can get it. You can get more value for taking out the same amount of money and, get more, and going to get a PC. So I'm curious to get your thoughts, Andrew. With Apple using their own silicon in their upcoming MacBooks and uh, laptops and things like that, will, uh, I guess, I guess, I guess the, the question is depending on how they choose to price it, will that value proposition, uh, proposition change now? that Apple is using their own silicon in their upcoming computers? Well, that's a very good question. We don't we don't know yet. Um, the move to the silicon is going to be a big move for Apple, of course, uh, because now they can control every aspect of this laptop. They're not going to be beholden to Intel. They're going to be able to put their own chip in there. They're going to be able to optimize it uh, much better, software, hardware, all the synergy between the, between the two. Um, Yes, typically in the past, the uh, equivalent of a MacBook, if you spent $2,000, like you said, would get you a much better spec'd out uh, Windows laptop on that side. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what Apple's pricing scheme is going to be. My guess is they're going to probably keep their pricing where it is, I, I would imagine, because they're very premium hardware. They're, uh, they like to consider their these luxury devices in a lot of ways. So they price it accordingly to that. So. Um, I think Apple's going to still price very, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to do any bargain basement uh, windows alternative type pricing. I think they're going to be up there, but I think we're going to see some excellent strides in performance with their own Silicon. I don't think Apple would make this move if they didn't think they can pull this off. I think they know they can pull this off. 
And I think it's a, it's a lot of the stuff they're going to release with this, their own silicon is going to be, game, be a game changer. Uh, and I think what's going to happen is uh, on the Windows side with Windows and ARM, uh, which has not been a success by any stretch. In fact, it's not been, it, it was not good at all uh, <laughs> in, ter in terms of sales. I actually reviewed a lot of the Windows and ARM and I actually liked the Samsung Galaxy Book S that I reviewed. Uh, I liked a few others, the Surface Pro X, but it is, if you knew how, you, you knew, if you knew the limitations of it, then you knew how to use it. But if you expected it to do everything a normal laptop would do, you'll be disappointed because it couldn't run all the 64-bit apps. Now, Apple is going to take what they've learned from the iPad and from their ARM chips that they've been using so far up until now, apply that to the laptop space and now we've become, the lines are a little bit more blurred between iOS, macOS, and I think what they're going to do is make a laptop that you can do video editing on, but it's razor thin, razor light, and I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. And I think what's going to happen is it's going to be a game changer. And that's where I think Apple's going with this. Uh, they don't make decisions lightly. They don't say, well, screw you, Intel, uh, we're going to just use our own chip if they didn't think they can do it. And they, they pretty much know they can do it. So I'm looking forward to the first uh, laptops and, and maybe the iMac and so forth that are going to come out with this new silicon. I'm very excited about it. Ooh, I love how you just said that Apple is beginning to blur the line between macOS and iOS and things like that. So that raises the question to you, Andrew. Do you think that with Apple transitioning over to their own silicon, do you believe that this could potentially pave the way for a touchscreen MacBook? I'm hoping uh, every um, every MacBook that I've reviewed, one of the things that I talk about in the videos is I wish this had a touch display uh, <laughs> because I got spoiled with something like the Dell XPS 15 or 17 or 13 for that matter, or HP Spectre X360, or I can use a pen with it. I can use my finger on it, you know, to navigate through the OS. Uh, and every time I pick up my MacBook, I'm trying to touch the display out of habit. Uh, don't give me that touch bar. I don't want to hear about the touch <laughs> bar. Uh, uh, hold on, y'all. Hold on. Before he go, before he continues, <laughs> y'all know what's coming, right? Y'all know what's coming. Oh, shot fired. Shot fired on the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I made it very clear in my videos. I'm not a big fan of the touch bar. Now, do I use it? Yes, I have no choice. Uh, I have a MacBook Pro 16 that... Basic functionality, basic functions have to be used with that touch the touch bar. Um, what I wa I would like to see um, Touch ID, which it already has. I'd like to see Face ID on the laptop. That's the mm. other thing that I think is going to be coming with this transition to um, the ARM chips, their own silicon. So uh, Face ID, which is what we get in the phones and what we get in the iPads, uh, will be a lot better uh, on a laptop. Because we have that in Windows side, right? We have uh, yep. Windows Hello, mm -hmm. and it works pretty well, especially on the Surface devices that are made by Microsoft and some of the OEMs like HP, Dell. So I'd like to see that as well. So, but this, but a touch display would be would be amazing on it. Now, will they do it? I don't know because they sell a whole lot of iPads and they don't want to cannibalize their sales. But I think when they're moving towards this. Uh, this new chip and so forth, maybe they will start to offer that. And who knows? But that would be something I'd like to see. That's for sure. 
I think I remember a quote by Steve Jobs saying it uh, that uh, he said one time that if Apple, uh, if they feel like something that there's something that could exist that might be uh, that might cannibalize their sales, as long as they're the one cannibalizing their sales, then they don't have a problem with it. So, like you said, I think a touchscreen MacBook would kind of cannibalize the iPad sales and things like that. But if Apple is the one cannibalizing their own sales, then I think they're more open and susceptible to something like that as opposed to a competitor. Uh, eating into their self because of them making a product that Apple doesn't happen near existing product roadmap. So I don't think I don't think Apple is too afraid of cannibalizing their own sales. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think they're at they're so confident at this level now that they've achieved that they can pretty much dictate the way the market will go. Uh, did we know we needed an iPad way back when in 2010? No, we didn't know. But they said, yeah, here is a giant uh, iPhone or iPod, basically. And, uh, and it turned out to be a, a smashing success. Uh, they're the number one in terms of tablets. They're, there's pretty much nobody else except Samsung, and they're a far distant second. So yeah. uh, they pretty much cornered the market on the tablets. So they're selling a bunch of them. But now if they make a touch display MacBook, MacBook Pro, uh, that would be a very interesting proposition, to say the least. I would be the first in line to sign up for one that's for sure i do not think you will be alone in that sentiment so for those of y'all listening on audio only you can't see what i see but let me try to describe to you what i see in front of me right now obviously me and andrew are both on camera and andrew has a special set piece behind him and on his set piece i think i see an iphone box i see a pixel 3 box i think i see another iphone box I also see that Pixel 4 box, which is very familiar to me because I got sent the Pixel 4 last year. And me and Andrew just got a very uh, special email from the Pixel team. They are getting ready to send out the Pixel 5 to us. So let's talk about the Pixel 5, which is coming up. I think it goes on sale uh, next week sometime. So the Pixel 5 is out. Uh, Google had their event back on the 30th of September, uh, launch night in. They unveiled the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5. Now, this is a little weird because the 4a 5G and the 5 are very similar they only have a few differences. Uh, the chief differences are the fact that the 4A 5G has a bigger display. Uh, it has a 6.2-inch display as opposed to the, uh, the Pixel 5 5-inch display. Uh, the Pixel 5 has a bigger battery than the 4A 5G, even though that's weird because the 4A 5G has a bigger display, but has a smaller battery. Weird. I don't know. Um, the other difference, I think, is that uh, the Pixel 5 is uh, it has an aluminum back, and I think the 4A is, uh, has a plastic back. Uh, they both will have 5G on board, so they're both going to be 5G capable. Uh, the Pixel 4a 5G starts at $499, and the Pixel 5 starts at $699. Andrew, um, oh, and before I toss it to Andrew, they both have the exact same camera system, which is really weird. I would, you would have thought that the Pixel 5 would have had a better camera system, but no. The 4a 5G and the 5 have the same camera system on the back. Uh, they will have two camera systems, one will be in a wide, and the other one is an ultra-wide. So finally, after the debacle of the telephoto lens last year, Google finally includes an ultra-wide-angle lens on their newest cameras this year. Andrew, what are your initial thoughts? I mean, obviously, we don't have the devices in hand yet, but what are your initial thoughts on the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5? I'm very excited about both, uh, but I'm more excited, I think, about the, the Pixel 5 uh, only because I want to see what this wireless charging is going to be able to do uh, since it is how – I don't know how they're going to pull that off uh, it's all, is this a metal, is it a uh, plastic or metal? I don't know what the, what the body is going to be. Um, I have the pixel four a here that I, I 
got sent by Team Pixel, and I loved it. I thought it was a great phone for the price. It's uh, one of the best values out there. So the 4A 5G, uh, it's going to have a bigger display, correct? I, if I'm not yeah. from what we know, mm -hmm. uh, it's also going to 5G. 5G is not a big deal yet, uh, at least where I live in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, there are only certain places where I can get 5G, if any. I still have not gotten 5G on my uh, my Fold 2 5G. So uh, I don't think for the rest of 2020 that's going to be an issue for 5G, but it will future-proof it. You will be able to have more 5G as it becomes more prevalent. Uh, I'm looking forward to the bringing, like you said, the camera having the ultra-wide lens as opposed to the telephoto lens. Uh, it is surprising that they did go with the same cameras on both. Uh, you would think they would want to differentiate their flagship, so to speak, with their uh, more more budget-friendly offering, but right. they didn't, right? So, uh, but it will have wireless charging. It Will it have, I don't know about any waterproofing. Will it have IP rating on this one? Not uh, sure. I, I'm not sure either. I think it might actually, but I'm not really sure. Um, price is gonna be an interesting thing with this one. It's not gonna have the latest processor. Right. I think it's going to have, uh, is it the 765G? Oh, there you go. Yep. So the 765G will run a 5G uh, modem in there and so forth, but it will not be the latest and greatest when it comes to Qualcomm's chips. Uh, so, uh, but then again, their software is going to be super optimized because it's stock Android and they know how to optimize their software better than anybody, obviously, because it's theirs. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I use the Pixel 4 XL uh, quite a bit. I still use it. Um, and again, I'm not a big fan of the telephoto lens. So this move to the ultra wide lens to me is a big deal. Uh, I'm not so concerned about that processor. I think it'll be fine, again, because of the optimized software. But I think people make too much of a big deal uh, not having the latest and greatest processor. I think it'll have more than enough RAM. I don't think it'll have, uh, it'll definitely be speedy. It'll be hopefully everything that we'd want out of their best phone come to be. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, the, uh, we, uh, I think uh, somebody in the chat said that is a 60 hertz version 120. The Pixel 5 will not have a 120 hertz display. It will have a 90 hertz display, actually. So uh, right. yeah, the Pixel 5 coming with a 90 hertz display. So that's another difference. The Pixel 5 will have a 90 hertz display. The 4A 5G will have a 60 hertz display. Uh, not much of a de uh, detectable difference, but I mean, if you do like the the, the higher refresh rate, then the five is definitely the way to go. Again, like I said, you're gonna have the higher rehertz display or the higher hertz display. You'll have the bigger battery on the five with the same camera system on the four A five G. So, if you want to, uh, you want the faster refresh rate with the uh, with the uh, bigger battery, then shall out that two hundred extra bucks to get the Pixel five. Not to mention that stage green. Oh, that stage green looks good. <laughs> it looks, it looks good. nice. Yeah, it does look nice. So I think there is one you need to stay away from. Is there? I think the Verizon exclusive is that the one? Is that the, yeah, is that, yeah. Uh, that's the care. one. There's no reason to get right. Hundred dollars more. They're charging a multi-millimeter wave tech. The Verizon Pixel Five will be seven ninety nine because of the the millimeter wave five G. And I just I it, this stuff grabbed my gear because like you alluded to earlier. Only 10% of the population, at least here in the U.S., can actually use 5G right now. I mean, like 5G is not even viable yet, especially multi-millimeter wave 5G. Multi-millimeter wave 5G is so scarce. To, for Verizon to charge a whole $100 premium for that technology when it's not even readily available, it's asinine to me. 
but you know what it is. I mean, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. When you are in a Verizon 5G area, it is it's lights out, but it's so scarcely available right now. I cannot believe they're actually charging a premium for that device, knowing that the technology is not ready yet. But whatever. Uh, that's another story for another day. But uh, yeah, I would not recommend buying the Verizon version uh, with that with that multimeter wave, meter wave tech. I would I would go ahead and buy a lot from Google. But don't they? Doesn't it come in a special color, white or something to I, that effect? I, I don't. I don't even know. I think or does it? I don't know. I That's thought it was exclusive. Black That's what I read. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But maybe. Uh, but yeah. I yeah. The, 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 that whole premium for multi for multi millimeter wave technology that's not even readily available. It's just that's not cool. But hey, you can buy it a lot from Google, and you don't have to worry about that or whatever. So that's good. But yeah, um, me and Andrew both are getting review units here pretty soon. Uh, like I told you guys, when I get them in hand, I'll let you know my first thoughts and things like that. I'll probably be doing a video on the Pixel Five on my YouTube channel, um, and then we'll go from there. But uh. Yeah, so we talked with we talked about iPhone. Oh, before we before we go, Andrew, what are your thoughts on the LG Wing? Very interesting design, that's for sure. Uh, I watched some of the videos on it. Uh, I've never got my hands on it; I have not used it, and and so I I really don't know how it would perform on a day to day use. But it's pretty interesting how they were able to use both displays in a very unique manner. Um, it looks pretty interesting, and the people that have reviewed it have been very positive about it. So uh, I would love to check it out. Uh, to me, it's a it's an unusual design, but it looks like it's functional. So it's not one of those things where they just did it for the sake of looking different. I think it does have functionality where you can have that uh, when it's in that wing um, formation, you could have the display on the the bottom and then have it going across. Uh, could have, have some good use case scenarios with that. So it, it would be very interesting to check that out. I have not yet, me personally, but it looks interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. I when I first thought, I'm like, you know what? It looked crazy, but impractical because, like you said, you could be watching a video on a horizontal display, and then on a vertical, you could be tweeting it or texting or doing whatever you want. So it actually it's not a weird design just for the sake of having a weird design. It's a weird design which actually factors in practicality and real world application, which is much more practical than other things that have come out that are just like, what are we doing here? But the LG Wing design. With the little T wing and things like that, it's actual. It's actually real world app, uh, real world practical. So definitely a nice device. I think it's a little bit overpriced. They want a thousand dollars plus for it. Not sure you want to be playing in that Apple Samsung price range, especially with their iPhones on the way and the Fold Two and the Galaxy Note Twenty out there. But LG is gonna LG, I guess. So I like the device though. I like the device. I just think it's, it costs too much. But that's the LG for you. Well, you're paying for the. The innovation, right? They're, they're trying to trying something new. And by the way, I'll give credit to LG for trying something new. Not every OEM can get away with it. You know, they're not the most popular here in the United States when you compare it to say something like Samsung or Apple. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're definitely trying, and you got to give them credit. And it looks like the execution is pretty good. The price, that's not so much. We'll see. Yeah. You know, people are going to actually go out and buy it. I think part of the reason why they're not popular here in the United States is because of their own doing. They don't do enough marketing. I've talked no marketing. about things before. LG marketing in the U.S. is practically non-existent. Although people have told me that they have been kind of ramping it up uh, this year. Where I think they had the velvet on uh, some TV. I think the V6 yeah. might have been in a couple of TV commercials. But by and large, over the past four or five years, especially uh, here in the U.S., LG marketing has been practically non-existent. So hopefully they will ramp it up some more with the wing because it'll be a shame to have the wing out there and nobody knows about it because LG doesn't want to market it. So I don't know. What yeah, they, they definitely don't market like Samsung. That's for sure. Oh, God. Um, 
<laughs> I think they sell a lot of TVs. They sell oh, yeah. a lot of uh, laundry okay. machines and, and and home home kind of equipment yeah. and so forth. Uh, that's where they they really shine. But uh, they make some great uh, phones that just nobody knows about because again the marketing is not there. Hopefully that will start changing. Right? You Hopefully know what? You know what? You make a very good point, Andrew. LG. If anybody from LG is listening or watching or listening to this podcast on audio. If you market that wing, how you market your TVs, oh my God, you will be in business. I cannot go on YouTube without seeing some type of video about the LG C10. I will, that's part of the reason why I brought one because it was every, it's literally everywhere, man. Y'all, I have two. I have two LG OLED TVs, uh, one 65 inch downstairs yep. and one 55 inch in my bedroom, oh. and. Bar none to me, that's the best thing. The two TVs that I've bought are best tech purchases I bought in a very, very long time. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. They, those TVs I, uh, are unbelievable. I brought earlier this year, I brought the LG C10 just for the uh, purposes of having it ready for these next generation consoles. So I got that mm -hmm. 65 inches. And it's not cheap, but it's a lovely no. TV. Oh, no, they're great. They're, they're lovely. Great. But again, if they market their phones, how they market their TVs, we will be having a very different conversation, LG. I'm yes. just saying, listen to Viper. Listen to Viper. I'm just saying, listen to Viper. Get out there and market your phone, baby. Get out there and market that wing. But Andrew, Mark, David, excellent conversation, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining me. Before we get up out of here, let the people know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at, at Andrew Mark David. Just to do a search on Google or YouTube, I'll come up. I'm the first thing that comes up. Uh, find me at twi on Twitter at, at Andrew Mark David. Instagram, same thing. Uh, you you know where to find me. I'm there. I do laptops, two-in-ones, mobile phones, uh, all, all, all sorts of tech things, but mainly laptops right now. So uh, if you need to get a new laptop, come check out my channel. Yeah, you should, you should, I should do that. If you're definitely looking at if you're in the market for a laptop, you should definitely go check out the channel. Shout out to those y'all that are listening on audio only. Thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Job Week. Uh, this week with me and my man Andrew Mark David. Again, if you want to go check out his content, his YouTube channel, that will be in the show notes of this podcast. Go down there, check him out. The dude is legit. Again, if you want all the latest up-to-date news, analysis, and thoughts about the latest laptops on the market, this dude is the way you want to go to check that out. Again, his channel link is in the show notes. Go check him out. If you want to support the podcast or donate or whatever you want to do, uh, there should be a buy me a coffee link in the show notes. Again, not required, but anything that you're willing to contribute, always greatly, greatly appreciated. If you are listening on audio and you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review. Help more people discover the show. Help get the show out there to more ears and eyes and things like that. Help us get back to the top 200 of tech podcasts, which we were there at one point early this year. Not so much anymore, but we were there early this year. So. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving that rating or review so we can get back into the top 200 of tech podcasts over on Apple Podcasts. And once again, thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Drive. We will be back in two weeks with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile, and coming back to the podcast on October 19th. So uh, that will probably be the next time this podcast will be live. But until the next time, people, this your boy, Viper. The man about tech. You know where to find me. So come back for more.